Welcome in to the Lion's Den. We're one short today, unfortunately. That's all right. We miss him. Spencer the Are Gov we, though? Warned. Well, we got to pretend like we are. <laughs> uh, Spencer the Warren's not with us. His uh, daughter, I guess, is uh, having surgery. So we hope she is okay and she uh, has a quick recovery. Maddie Gash, that was the voice you heard, is Hi. with myself, Trevor, obviously, behind the board. Maddie, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm well. I cannot complain. There's, uh, well, there's soccer going on, isn't yeah. there? There's Copa America. Well, yeah. Women's we're World in full Cup. swing right now. We got Copa America. We got Women's World Cup. We got Gold Cup. Gold Cup. We've got African Cup of Nations. That's right. We've got a player from uh, from the Monarchs playing in that. Um, and MLS. And back in MLS, NWSL, USL. Yeah. It's all in full swing. It's great. Unfortunately, European soccer isn't uh, going on right now. But geez, their off season is so short. Much yeah. like MLS's off season, I guess. But they'll be back and running here shortly. So. Um, I guess I thought we'd start things off with the club update, Matt. Yeah, let's do it. And now, your Real Salt Lake Club update! Brought to you in full by Matt Gash. Hear ye, hear ye. Every week I listen to that <laughs> and I, I say, all right, in my brain, I'm going to change that up this week. I'm going yeah. to record something new. Yeah. And I always seem to just forget. And uh, I guarantee you it'll happen. Anyway. Every week I, I declare that this is the week I start taking exercise and diet more seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I, yeah, I did the same thing. Um, uh, how about a club update? Yes, please. Sorry. Nick Romando, MLS All-Star for the eighth time. Wow. Uh, named by Commissioner Don Garber. Uh, he will join the 26 players in total in Orlando for the game on July 31st against Atletico Madrid. Should be a good opportunity for him to, uh, I say kind of, I, I like to put it, it's, a, it's an opportunity for him to give thanks to those that have helped him over his 20-year MLS career and for... Uh, the league, and I think everyone involved, um, to give thanks to him as well for yeah, I, twenty years in the in this league, and and uh, he's been such a servant to the league. It, it's just you know, it's going to be uh, it's an interesting little, final few months here. It, it's his own little farewell to yeah, him. and he, you know what, he is more than deserving of it. Yeah, he's yeah, he's done a lot for the game, which is fun. Jefferson Savarino in Venezuela advanced to the Copa America knockout rounds. They beat uh, Bolivia in the final match of the group stage. They'll be playing against Argentina on Friday. Which they have a chance of winning, by the way. Yeah, Argentina has not been good in this tournament so far. Uh, opportunity for uh, Savarino to go against the best player in the world, question mark? Question mark, yes. I think you need to say question because um, I would disagree. One of, the, one of the best in the world. Who, who do you think sure. is the best, just out of curiosity? I... I he, He's the one that I most enjoy watching play. Okay. Um, I don't know that he's the best. I, I just, I feel like in, in the moments when he has the ball, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's a valid point. The, the reason I think Ronaldo, and I, I promise we won't get too off track here, but yeah, yeah. the reason I, I think Ronaldo's better is simply because of from a national team perspective, Ronaldo's been able to accomplish more than Messi. Yes, absolutely. Which, which, which tells me, um, or at least I, I tell myself that Messi at Barcelona, he relies on 
uh, other players. He's more comfortable with other players. And mm. when he goes to a national team, he's surrounded by still a lot of talent, but but not in not necessarily in the midfield. You know, right. like Barcelona, it's all from an attacking standpoint. It gets confused. I don't know. I guess yeah, we've just opened up a whole can of worms. Well, I think I think to a large degree, uh, Ronaldo does excellent things on his own. Don't get me wrong on this, but I think his uh, he he does so much with the service he's given. Yes. Whereas Messi creates. Messi creates, and. If he doesn't have those other pieces to pull defenders away, and you can have five guys swarming to him, he's less effective. Yep. He's still, for most of his career, has been able to break those defenses pretty easily. Yep. The, the other, and it's just not as easy now at thirty-three or four or sure. whatever old he is. The, the other, the other reason I like Ronaldo would be he's won everywhere he's gone. And he's bounced around, and he's won. So it doesn't matter necessarily. Like, sure, there's a lot of talent wherever he goes because the clubs are so big, but everybody plays a different style, yeah. and he's still been able to win, whereas Messi seemed to be pretty com- he's, he's pretty comfortable in Barcelona, and he's won there consistently, but it's at the same club, which I think benefits Ronaldo. But you can, we can go back and forth yeah. at this all day, can't we? It's really six and one, half dozen the other, really. Exactly. Uh, and that's, a, I think, an endless debate. Too. It is. And it, you know what? I think for our entire lifetime, that conversation will go on. Messi, and, Ronaldo. MJ, LeBron. And, just... and I, I, I go back to this, and it sounds very cliche, but how lucky are we to be alive in that era? And I think um, a lot of us, and I'm to blame it as well, you know, you, we don't realize. You watch these games, the World Cup games, yeah. or... Champions League games where Ronaldo and Messi are going up against each other, or they're not, but they're just playing. Yeah, it's pretty special. And and think back to uh, you know think back thirty years ago to when Maradona was playing. Uh, he didn't have that direct rival. Sure. And his every move wasn't readily available to watch. Yeah, social media. Social media, the globalization of the TV, television. Uh, yep. Uh, so look at Pele, Maradona, Zidane even. You couldn't watch every one of their games. Zidane? I was watching highlights of Zidane the other day. Yeah. Oh, my word. I, I forgot how good that touch was. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's immaculate. Unbelievable. All right. All right. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, U.S. women's national team at the World Cup. They're the last standing of the Royals FC uh, players. Is that right? Th- yeah. Canada know. lost yesterday to Sweden 1-0. Oh, so Scott's back. Um, and uh, Scotland uh, missed out and New Zealand missed out on the group stage. So uh, those three should be back soon-ish. They might uh, need a few minutes to – Yeah. Uh, give them, they give the them a little decompressed time um, and they'll be back. Uh, and then the U.S. women will be playing against France on Friday. Big game. So uh, uh, when you're playing the hosts and you're playing in uh, that in that stage, it's going to be a, a it's going to be an event to see. France also the last team to uh, to beat the U.S. Yeah. women. It was a friendly, mind you, but they still beat them. So they uh, they have it in their arsenal, whether or not that. I I think U.S. are okay, but you mm-hmm. never know. It's a World Cup. You never know. Um, um, what else is going on? Royals FC will be playing Friday night against the oh, Seattle Rain. Sorry, the Rain FC. No longer Seattle. 
Oh, is that right? Yeah, they're they based not on like having the name Seattle in there. They're in Tacoma now. Oh, so why not the Tacoma Ring? Because they don't want to. They don't want to lose the. Uh, <laughs> they don't want to be localized just at Tacoma. So stay with the rain. Why not the Washington rain? Uh, Trevor, stop asking questions. Because please. they already have the Washington. Uh, That's true. They do have the spirit. spirit. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll stop. So, uh, Rain FC will be here. That's Laura's old team, Laura Harvey's old team. And then Saturday night, Rio Tinto Stadium, Real Salt Lake versus Sporting Kansas City. Another rivalry game. And, it's always uh, a big game, isn't it? And Pride Weekend. So, we'll be celebrating. Uh, Soccer for all at Rio Tinto Stadium. Is there a different uh, kit? Uh, no, just the warm up. Just the, the warm up kit. Yep. they're pretty. They're pretty dapper. Those kits. I lo- I really liked them. I I saw them on uh, on uh, social media before, and I was like, yeah, that works for some people. Not for uh, visually, I right, mean. right. Uh, and then I saw them in person, and I was like, those are nice. They're actually really nice. Right. Corey Baird seems to be a big uh, advocate yes. for for the pride, and I, I don't know, is there does he have a family member? Yeah, his brother okay. is uh, uh, is out, is yes. uh, a homosexual. Yes, uh, living up in Seattle now with his husband, um, and it's uh, uh, it has been a very um, important cause for Corey. Good, uh, um, and I think we're. F- Fortunate to live in, uh, again, fortunate to live in a time and in, in, in an organization that is supportive of that platform. No, and, that's, uh, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I, again, just kind of going back, you know, pre-Robbie Rogers, the, the whole concept of, of um, homosexual athletes on in men's sports was just such a... Uh, I don't want to, I even want to say a taboo topic. I think it was just like a and it's just not a thing. But now that and and even still there's only been a handful of of professional male athletes uh to come out and um that's I think we'd all be fools to think that those are the only right homosexual athletes that play professional sports. That's far from the case. Um but uh there's there's such a greater comfort level um that they know there's going to be acceptance when that happens i think if you see if you saw how embraced Robbie Rogers was even by oppos- oppo- opposing fans on the road um that was uh you know for me i was in seattle at the time and Fans had signs with Robbie Rogers' picture on them. It was, uh, it was very cool to see, and I know I know that was impactful for Robbie as well. Yeah. Well, whether we like it or not, there still there still seems to be a stigma surrounding absolutely the yeah. the, the whole pride concept. And uh, well, what Corey's doing is is certainly good for the game, good for uh, good for the world, I yeah. guess. Um, speaking of Corey, uh, I don't have this in the rundown, but but I guess we'll bring it up because we haven't yet discussed. Corey Baird and and kind of how this second half of the season could potentially impact in a greater way his his future. Mm-hmm. Um, he was unfortunately left off the U.S. Men's National Team Gold Cup squad by uh, by newly appointed head coach Greg Berhalter. 
Um, I know he and the club were anticipating and expecting a call-up as he had played in a number of games. Well, he debuted this year for the U.S. Yeah. men's national team uh, earlier this year. I believe what was that, January, February. Yep. And he's played a handful of games since then, but he was left off regardless. And so I guess the conversation that uh, that, that I want to have is is how the second half of the season can potentially impact his future from a national team perspective. Obviously, Corey playing at the national team, Matt, would be a big plus for uh, Real Salt Lake because you get some uh, national recognition. and Maybe he goes and plays in Europe one day. I'm not sure. But the two games we've seen, so there was the uh, LAFC for US Open fourth round mm-hmm. game. That was the first game uh, since the news broke. He was not going to be a part of it. And then, of course, last weekend, the Chicago Fire, which we'll mm-hmm. dive into here very, very shortly. Um, he's done okay. I wouldn't say he's lit the world or lit the pitch on fire mm-hmm. necessarily. He could certainly play better, and I'm sure he'd be the first to admit that. Mm-hmm. But but there's no doubt and no question that this is a big, big second half of the season yeah. for Corey. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge opportunity for him. And I think if you look at what he did with the U.S. national team in those three or four appearances, uh, that's what kind of made the, the his omission from the roster most surprising right. is that every time Greg Berhalter's needed him, he's been able to fill the role, play the position, and and I I, I don't remember if I brought this up here or not, but I spoke with Aaron Long um, with New York while we were in New York, um, and he told me about how much the other players love having Corey on the field because of his honesty his effort his, his work ethic is yeah and his and his under he, increasing understanding of his own positioning his own and and his uh i guess i'd say making himself putting himself in positions to not just succeed in the moment but three passes later um jimmy conrad i think i think it was on twitter had something the other day about um, being in, in in a training session or in a game. I can't remember. Maybe it was with the U.S. national team, and being open and waiting for a one of his teammates to pass him the ball, and his teammate wouldn't pass him the ball, and he's just like, "What? What's the deal? Like, how come I'm getting frozen out here?" And in the response, and uh, I'm. I'm Struggling to remember who who all was involved in this. The response was, "Yeah, you were open. You didn't you didn't have anywhere to go with it, though." I'm looking for the guy who's like, and it wasn't anything any fault of Jimmy's. It was just, uh, it's all about, and and this is one of the things that Greg Berhalter has done really well, is putting players in position not to succeed in in the exact moment, but to anticipate what's going to happen. The three next pass, pass right. two passes from now, three passes from now, that's going to put them in the b- right. best position. And that and kind of chain chain uh, effect. Sure. And that's all part of the development. Yeah. And by by no means is Corey, is Corey unable to do that. I think what mm-hmm. we saw last year was pretty impressive. He, he was that guy that would wait for the ball early in the season and, and sometimes receive it when he was open and then have a hard time getting around. Right. And then as the season developed, you saw him making runs runs that you didn't see at the start of the year because mm-hmm. he could see where the ball was going 
and he and and you know this is all chemistry related yeah. too, right? So you you start to figure out what your teammates like to do and how they like to play and what the head coach likes to do, and then you can see things much easier. It also helps training every single day, just about, and understanding just how the gaffer likes to play. But and um, I think if you look at his statistically, he hasn't been as good this year, goals and assists, production wise, which is how. Every attacking player is measured in the end, right? Yep. Defensively, though, he's doing, and this is that that immeasurable, right? Uh, defensively, he's doing the things that Mike is asking of those wing players. That's helping walk out of Chicago in a kind of an ugly game with a one-one draw. That that maybe if you're playing a little more freewheeling, maybe you lose that game three-two. Maybe it's. Still one one, but you, you're not accomplishing the things you want to do moving forward. I think um, that was one of the big big takeaways. I think from the Chicago game was um, it wasn't the prettiest game in the world. I know, but it was but it was efficient. It was uh, you look at uh, things like duels won, possession shots, things like that. Those are the things that RSL uh, did very well in that game. Yeah, by no means was it uh, was it pretty, but but yeah. one point on the road is is certainly good for me. Corey Baird um, has been doing everything right. There's one part of his game as of late mm-hmm. that uh, I I have no hesitancy to criticize. It's that final touch. So often, throughout the course of this season, in particular last season, you didn't see it as much for whatever reason. This season, he's making all these plays, making runs, receiving the ball in dangerous positions, and then his final touch, whether it's whether it's uh, shooting. Um, inside the box on a on a difficult difficult angle for a right footer, or trying to play a ball across into the six yard area for a tap in. It's just that final touch has let him down on a number of occasions. Uh, now that that'll that'll change and and it'll click here. I'm sure sh- uh, I'm sure soon. But uh, he's so oh so close to playing and 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 getting back to that form we once saw last year. So. Um, Hold your breath, RSL fans, because I know that the switch is coming. Uh, we'll take our one and only timeout. On the other side, we'll recap the Chicago Fire. We'll preview Sporting Kansas City. It's a good conversation. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be back soon. All right, before we jump back into the uh, recap conversation of the Chicago Fire and, of course, the preview for a big, big game this Saturday night at Rio Tinto Stadium against Sporting Kansas City, uh, we here at the Lions Den feel as though that uh, our listeners deserve to hear what Nick Romando had to say this week at training after it was confirmed that Commissioner Don Garber had, uh, I guess, inducted him into his eighth MLS All-Star game. Here's Nick. Yeah, I was uh, surprised um, hearing it uh, in the beginning, uh, but but now it's all sunk in and um, gonna enjoy every every bit of it. And then, like you said, it's gonna be my last. So hopefully, I can go out there and, and represent the club and my teammates and everybody well. Through the years, I know you've mm. played in a lot of these. Are there some years where it's an excitement, and other years maybe where it's kind of an inconvenience? And where do you think this one will be your last one? I think they're always exciting when you can get into games like these, you know. I think the inconvenience comes to 
maybe scheduling sometimes when you're playing in them and you have a, a lot of games on each end of the, you know, of the, of the all-star game. But um, looking at the roster now, there's there's three goalkeepers on that roster. So uh, I, I think my time will be limited on the field. So nothing to worry about, I think. So uh, uh, I'm excited and, and uh, looking forward to it. Did Don Garber call you personally and tell you he was going to make you this pick? No, 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 no. no. Uh, I found out through the club. Okay. Yeah. Hey, what are some of the best memories you can share in a game like this? Um, best memories? No, you just go enjoy it. You know, there's there's uh, some special, um, you know, stars there and, and, and players, and the atmospheres are always great. Um, one of the worst me- one of the worst memories was, I guess, playing against Man U and getting scored on in like a minute, I think. So um, we just go out and, and have fun. Obviously. Uh, through the years, you, you want to, you know, win these games. The games get more competitive, and, and the, uh, I wouldn't say the pressure, but but um, you want to, you know, perform well for for the league and um, get the result. Um, but um, uh, we'll see how this game goes. You still have, you know, at least a little less than a half a season left after this mm-hmm. game. But is this a good chance to kind of pay people to pay respects to you and maybe you know say your last uh, your, your goodbyes to some of the best players in the game? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I know a lot of people have been reaching out and, and saying that I deserve this recognition, and uh, it's it's one way to um, for them to do that, and and I appreciate that, and and uh, like I said, I'm gonna go down to Orlando and and um, take it all in and, and enjoy it, and you know my kids will be there, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and and hopefully uh, get the result we want, and and looking forward to the the second half of the season. What are we on? That'll be ours. Oh, right. Sorry. Jeez, we're just chatting away here. That was Nick Romando uh, kind of discussing what it all means to him. and uh... I'm excited for him. I think this is one of those, again, again we mentioned it, but a, a kind of a crowning moment for him. He's in a point uh, in his career, Matt, where there is no pressure. Yeah. He, has, he has done everything he needs to do, yeah. uh, and maybe he won't admit that. Maybe he'll say, you know, I, I keep striving to be, be the best and... Which is all fair and dandy, but at the mm. end of the day, he has no pressure on him. He's the greatest goalkeeper MLS has ever seen, and um, and this is kind of his way of hopefully just. I just hope that he can go down there, and whether he plays or he doesn't play, he just he can soak everything in. Because mm. to me, that's what's going to be most important when he is finally retired in however many months' time, and he can reflect on the career yeah. he's had. Is hopefully he can enjoy certain moments, and I hope this one is is special. I I I've I've watched now several times, um, but this week it kind of felt a little maybe a little more prominent to me. I've watched this um, this Netflix show. What's it called? Uh, it's with Noel Gallagher. It's uh, it's uh, I can't remember the name of it. Actually, I should just pull it up on my phone. I'll here. find it. For Give you. me a moment. Um, and uh, in it in it he says uh, essentially he's asked. Why he keeps making music? Once in a lifetime, sessions. once in a lifetime, yes. Uh, and and he says uh, he's been through all the stuff and wrote all the hits and had the world tours and the sold out shows and all that. But he feels like he still has more to write. There's still more to the story for him. And I, it made me think. Looking looking at. Nick Romando's career and getting the All Star and everything. Uh, the, over the weekend, I was watching this for the umpteenth time, and it and it, it. I just started thinking of it in that context. That to Nick, it's very similar. That 
if he'd thought I'm going to be winding down and I'm not going to be a, I'm going to be a shadow of what I was, he wouldn't keep doing this. But in, in his mind, and, and we've seen it so many times in the game, we saw it late in the Chicago game when he made the save, uh, 80 something minute, um, he still has those brilliant moments in him. There's an itch. There's still and an itch that he needs. As to long as those things are still there, it's it's so it's so rewarding to be able to watch that firsthand and see those kind of signature Nick Romando moments. And he has those games still that you just that's worth the price of admission yeah. on his on his good days. I mean, that there is a reason a large part of Rio Tinto Stadium during most home games mm. chant his last name. Chant mm-hmm. Romando for about yeah. five minutes. I mean, I have no doubt there will be a statue built of Nick and Kyle Beckerman, for that matter, the, the, the duo outside Rio Tinto Stadium, whether it be next year or, th- or two, three years down the road. I, I don't know. But there will be statues out there. They have uh, essentially been the foundation of Real Salt Lake with a few other pieces mm-hmm. in between. And um, I think when you look at um, Real Salt Lake on the local level and the, and the national level, and to a large degree um, throughout North America, okay. when people think of Real Salt Lake, they think of Kyle Beckerman and Nick Romano. Those are the two guys that if you ask um, you know, anyone from uh, any of the Mexican clubs that we've played against or have not played against, they'll know, oh, yeah, Real Salt Lake. CONCACAF Champions League, Kyle Beckman, Nick Romano. They're the face. Yeah. Faces, I guess you'd say. Yeah. They, they got the goalkeeper, the guy with the dreads. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's what it was for, for so many years. And, um, and then Kyle, Kyle got rid of the dreads. But people still identify Nick Romano and Kyle Beckerman as the identity of this team, and, and they should. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. So um, hope Nick enjoys Orlando and gets to uh, spend time with all the uh, superstars that will be down there. Uh, recap, quickly, quick yes. recap of Chicago and RSL. Then we'll uh, prepare you guys for sporting Kansas City. But, uh, well, it was an interesting game, yeah. Matt. I think it's fair to say, look, first half had both goals in it. Um, and at times it looked like Chicago were, were the better team. And then and then RSL dominated the ball for mm-hmm. a while and, and jumped back at them. And, uh, and then that second half from about the 50th odd minute through to the 70th, I'd say there was a 20-minute stretch where you were just, oh, I'm thinking, Mike, please make a sub. Just bring some fresh legs on. We need something different because it was all Chicago and RSL were just hanging on for dear life. But what an effort it was mm-hmm. from the players uh, for Real Salt Lake because they were able to hang on to a 1-1 draw and pinch a point from the fire at SeatGeek Stadium. Um, and I think... And not we... not without controversy at the end. Yes, very much the so. The end was, uh, it was maddening, I think. You saw uh, Baltimore Toledo gave a yellow card he to Schweinsteiger sucks, by the way. for... I'll say it. Yeah. Sucks. I want it noted that uh, at not a Real Salt Lake yeah, that uh, employee that said that. That was me, Tom. Uh, <laughs> um, Carry on, though, I, what What... I won't say it bothered me. What confused me the was... The corner kick. To, well, Toledo was the same referee that gave the red card to Justin Portillo oh, that's right. for virtually that same foul yeah. in L.A. There was a high kick in there somewhere as right. well. And then... Um, that wasn't a red. And uh, I'm not, again, not 
saying this to be critical of the refereeing, but I can't remember seeing a game end when a corner kick is about to be taken in a in a tie game. That made me furious. So and I, what was maybe more maddening and I'm not even sure I'm allowed to share this, but I'm going to anyway. I was I was there when Nick and Albert were asking Baldomero Toledo about that decision. And neither of them were confrontational. Both of them polite. Kind of polite polite might be exaggerating. Polite but to neither arrest. of them were disrespectful about this question. They asked to explain how the game ended on a corner kick. And both of them were like, I've never seen it happen. Like, can you explain to me, like, why you that wouldn't decision? give us? Yep. The answer was, I don't have to explain anything to you. <laughs> I hate that guy. Sucks. That guy sucks. That just seems so. It's like a power trip, isn't it? I was well, just going to say, because it, yeah. it, it's it's a guy who feels like he's in power, but he doesn't want – his ego's too high to admit that he messed up. Well, he it, doesn't have an answer is really what I, it comes down to. The, the simple thing to do would be explain and help grow the game, help grow the player's understanding of what the referee's going through in that moment. But instead to get, I don't have to explain myself to you. Uh, that, what does that do? All that does is create a, contra- a confrontational situation moving forward. Isn't there something that pro can do? Because obviously the league can't do much because the, the referees are paid by pro, right? Correct. Yes. So can't pro, like, can't Mike I, I or mean, someone go to the go to pro and say, hey, this is what we got, even though our guys were not. I mean, I, ultimately, I would just like to hear from Pro what the what the logic is there. I mean, I was watching a World Cup game go into two minutes beyond stoppage time because one team was taking three corner kicks in a row. Let's let's not forget that the number they put up for stoppage time is a is a number right. that is a minimum. It's right. just minimum. It's minimum. It is not that, and I think people often get confused. Generally speaking, if there's no serious injury or a VAR decision, they'll blow it at the number that's raised at 90 minutes because it's, I don't know, it's just how it's always been. But that doesn't, it doesn't mean that it can't go okay. two minutes. So that, that, that's why the corner kick made no sense. Sure, you're, you're into the, I think it was five minutes of added mm-hmm. time, and, and you're at 95 and change. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would hope, and, and I'm, again, not saying this to be critical of the referees or the pro. I'm here so that I don't get fined. Um, I'd like to. I, I, I'm genuinely curious what the, uh, what the thinking is there, because I legitimately can't remember a time in my ten years of covering MLS and fifteen years of covering pro soccer that I've ever seen that. I, I have never seen it personally, and I've been watching. Soccer for what is it now? Twenty? Uh, yeah, it's probably about twenty odd years. So, and if the answer is that everyone else has been doing it wrong, and that's the correct way to do it, I'm fine with that. But it's not. But the I'd answer. like to know what the answer is. I can tell you, it's not. Anyway, that yeah, that that, and I was listening to the to the to the actual call of the game with DJ and Dunny, and Dunny kind of blew up about it as well. So it was that was a mess to me. Um, 
as we as we kind of look through the players um, that played, um, some some strong performances I thought from yeah. those on the road. Uh, I will admit, I, I will you want to you want to know who was uh, a standout player and was so great to see him back in that role, Everton Louise. Yes, the menace. Oh himself. my gosh. He's so fun to watch. He is. He just flies around. Yeah. Um, he gives a lot of... It's, the team's just a different team with him on the field. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He he offers a ton because what happens is defensively he's immaculate, but but his his work rate moving forward is still good yeah. too. And he has good touch and, and speed and, and he's he's very talented. I I would like to see, and I will admit, I would like to see Demir Krylak play back in the midfield. Um, and I didn't think he was all that poor against Chicago. I just think there's no question that... He is far more comfortable in the midfield than he is at a, in the attack. But uh, Sam Johnson ended up coming on with, uh, oh, what was it, 25? No, it would have been about, yeah, 20-odd minutes or so and uh, did some nice things. But, uh, look, it's a point at the end of the day yeah. on the road against a team where you had to travel a handful of hours to go to, and that's a win. That's as good as three points for Mike Petkey and Real Salt Lake. I can tell you that right now because they've had a hard time doing it. Uh, as of late, um, as most teams in Major League Soccer do. But um, Sporting Kansas City, Matty, this Saturday, 8 o'clock, it's a blockbuster, yeah. Rio Tinto Stadium on, at, uh, on Saturday. Sporting Kansas City aren't the Sporting Kansas City we're uh, used to seeing. No, they're not. Uh, and if you look back, the, the, what's been bizarre about Kansas City this season is of the MLS teams in Champions League, it felt like they had the best chance to go through. Their form early in Champions League just felt better than the other teams. And for whatever reason, they weren't able to translate that from the Champions League games midweek to the MLS games on on the weekends. We saw Toronto last year struggle with the same concept. Right. And, uh, you know... Kansas City won three and four away, three two and three at home, which is unusual. They're usually much better than that at home, um, and honestly, they're usually better on the road as well um, because they play so similar at home as they do on the road. Um, that they're just a high press team that uh, is very good on the counter attack, um, and and again very disciplined. I think Peter Vermees has done such. Uh, such a good job of of developing that consistency from year to year in that team that no matter who's on the field, they're going to get the results by playing Sporting Kansas City's brand of soccer. Um, but again, kind of, uh, I, I've I've gone to this before, and um, they've been dealing with some injuries this year that in the past have have given them struggles. I think when they were when they were at their best they w- they weren't dealing with the injuries and player absences that other teams were dealing with and to have that consistency from week to week um was such a huge benefit to them. Um they're not as good when they have to go deeper into their bench, uh particularly when it's players like Matt Beasler, Graham Zusi, uh those types of guys that that miss games. So what's interesting? Jeez, I can't talk. What's interesting is that despite being ninth in the West and not having the season we're used to seeing, they, they've still scored twenty-seven goals on the season, which is five more than Real Salt Lake. Um, they've got three guys that are tied on seven goals to lead the team: Johnny Russell, 
They're he's uh, a special player. They're star well. man. Yeah. Uh, Scottish, I believe. The yep. old Scotland products. Johnny Russell, who is really fun to watch. Wicked left foot. He's got seven. Felipe Gutierrez has seven. And Christian Nemeth also has seven. But the guys, from an assist standpoint, aren't great. They've uh, they've got a handful of guys tied on three assists. Gerso Fernandez, Johnny Russell, and... Ely Sanchez will have three assists. So that's not all that many assists. So it's an interesting dynamic. They score a lot of goals, and their goal difference is better than Real Salt Lakes, yet they're not picking up the points. Mm-hmm. So they've got talent, and they're, they're still, I think, a good team. And if Real Salt Lake aren't careful, they, um, they could surrender three points at home, which is something we do not want to mm-hmm. see. But uh, but I still believe Real Salt Lake are the better team, and they play a great brand of soccer at home. And uh, I anticipate Real Salt Lake picking up three points. Whether that happens or not, we will wait and see. Yeah, Roger Espinosa, the big big name they're missing in their midfield, and he's been in a lot of ways. When you look at a team that has uh, Matt Beasler and Graham Zusi, who've been staples of that team, I I feel like. Um, He's been kind of the heartbeat of that team. Right. What drives them and and kind of determines their success in a lot of ways. So this conversation leads us into our final segment of The Lion's Den, our predictions. Trev? Am I going first? Or were you cueing me for the music? I was cueing you for the music, but now you've cued yourself to go first. Well, I (laughs) I just... Okay, I mean, I'll go first. It's fine. Would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, I will. 3-1 win for Real Salt Lake. I like it. Matty? Um, A 10-1 win. In in honor of Mike Conley, no. There <laughs> <laughs> we go again. <laughs> I think I think 2-1 for Real Salt Lake. I like that. I'm, uh, I'm going to go with a 2-0 score line. And uh, I think oh, Nick Romando will uh, keep a clean sheet. Love to see that. After all the positive vibes we've been sending Nick today. Alright, that's all she wrote from us. We appreciate you. Hopefully Spano joins us next week. If not, it won't matter. Same time, same place. Oh, before I go, sorry. Catch yeah. Royals, Monarchs, RSL. KSLSports.com yeah. with the KSL TV app. Don't forget to go to RSL.com as well. We appreciate you guys more than you realize. Same time, same place next week. Goodbye.